0: If you recall, in early January, our own managing editor was writing about the potential rebranding and embrace of Pasok's name and the symbols uh, of that party in an article with terms like kinolification, depasokification, <laughs> reserve pasok. Re- <laughs> oh, Polikronis is just playing with me. there. Welcome back to the Europolx podcast, the only podcast on your feed that is just so full of confidence, doesn't need a no-confidence vote. I'm Ewan Healy, and with me, of course, is my very good friend, Gabriel Hedengren. Hi, Ewan. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's been a busy week in European politics, as it always is, or as it always feels to be. Uh, It's been very lovely weather here as well, so I've been sitting in the sun thinking and reading about European politics. I mean, what else could you really want uh, from your weekend?
1: No, I mean, yeah, you and I are both in the the UK, so it's been a... Whatever you feel about the monarchy, it's been a crazy long weekend and then a crazy situation within the government here. And then I'm Swedish, so there's high drama there as well that we'll cover eventually. We're not starved at all.
0: No, we are absolutely not starved. And this episode is, of course, jam-packed, filled with all of that juicy juicy jammy content we've got electoral events in iceland germany switzerland denmark and albania and of course news from france estonia the uk and the european parliament and as if that wasn't all enough we've also got polling highlights from the last few weeks from italy lithuania the netherlands sweden poland turkey greece and slovenia not to be forgetting our friends in the East Slovenia there, of course. But first, before we crack on with all of that juicy, juicy gossip, here's a little message about how you can support us.
1: Your Plex is run by volunteers. We aren't funded by any big donors. Everything we do, including this podcast, is only possible with the help of our supporters. And we want to do more. You can support us through our Patreon, where we've started sharing exclusive discussions, special content, and much more. You can even get a shout-out in our videos or podcast episodes, or, better yet, some of the lovely merch that we've developed for all of our Europlex fans. Don't miss out. Support us by becoming a patron on Patreon.
0: Speaking of merch, at europelex.redbubble.com you can find all the mugs, maps, t-shirts and stickers and more that we've produced with more and more designs being added all the time. You can find so much stuff that you can decorate your house or apartment or laptop with all of the merch that people know you're a real elections nerd. Check out all of our designs on europelex.redbubble.com and let us know what you think. And, of
1: course, if you like this podcast and want to help us grow further, be sure to subscribe and drop us a review on whatever platform you listen to us from. And most importantly, tell everyone you know about us.
0: Also, if you have an idea for a segment, thoughts on a topic we should be covering, or, of course, if you just want to say hi, shoot us an email on podcast at europlex.eu We'd love to hear from you.
1: Now on to our headlines for this episode and we start off with Iceland where local elections were held on May 14th. Every four years in Iceland all 64 municipalities on the island elect their local councils with by far the largest one being the national capital Reykjavik electing 23 seats in total. As expected Reykjavik was set to be the main stage of this elections as well and in what could be a major turn the city's executive formed by the center-left social democratic alliance the liberal reform party the pirate party and the eco-socialist left green movement lost its majority this comes as a consequence of the social democratic alliance and reform party losing three seats in total while the agrarian center-right progressive party rose from zero to four seats in the capital's council. In fact, nationwide, the progressive party was the main protagonist of this election, gaining 22 seats compared to the previous local elections, while on the losing side, the liberal conservative independence party lost six seats across the country, giving it its historically worst result in the city of Reykjavik as well. So in Reykjavik, coalition talks are currently ongoing with the Social Democratic Alliance inviting the Pirate Party and the Reform Party to join the next executive. However, as this formation is still three seats short from a majority and the left-green movement is currently refusing to join negotiations, the Progressive Party rises as the main contender to enter in the country's largest city executive, which would be a big shift for the city. So yeah, um, I'm sure none of you, very few of you, have been following Icelandic local politics, but it's 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 very exciting and yet another uh, tricky um, coalition uh, negotiation going on there, like we're seeing in uh, in lots of countries across Europe.
0: The good thing about Iceland is, after elections in the summertime, negotiations really can go on well into the night because it's always light. So it's very convenient. The following day, uh, after those elections in Iceland, we had another sub-national election, this time in Germany, in the Landtag of North Rhine-Westphalia. North Rhine-Westphalia is the northwest region of Germany, neighboring the Netherlands and Belgium, and the center-left SPD has suffered in this election its worst ever result there. This is the second regional defeat in a row, as previously the SPD also lost Uh, in the smaller Schleswig-Holstein region you'll remember from a few weeks ago. Now, to get down to brass tacks here, the voters of the most populous state in Germany headed to the polls at a 55.5% turnout, also a record low for the region. Centre-right CDU received... 35.7% of the vote, which is 76 seats, a rise of 4 seats on their previous results, while the SPD fell to 26.7% and 56 seats, almost 5 percentage points lower than they received in the previous election and 13 seats fewer than in 2017. The Greens had a very significant rise of 11.8 percentage points and 25 seats, reaching 18.2% of the vote. Uh, and 39 seats in the regional parliament election there. Overwhelming expectations. Now, the other two parties that managed to pass the electoral threshold in North Rhine-Westphalia were the Liberal FDP and the right-wing AFD, both receiving 12 seats each, though both also seeing their vote share and seats decrease since 2017. The FDP saw their vote share almost halve, down to 5.9% and 16 seats, while the AFD received 5.4% which is a drop of just 1.9% and four seats. Now, of course, since no party received an absolute majority, coalition talks have begun with the CDU in the driving seat, naturally, as this time round the largest party.
1: On the same day, a lot of Swiss voters also headed to the polls, making it a very busy electoral weekend indeed. First of all, as often is the case in Switzerland, there were a number of national referenda, and this time around, all of them managed to be passed. The amendment to the Film Act in Switzerland that would make it mandatory for streaming services to invest 4% of the revenue generated inside Switzerland into local filmmaking passed with 58.4% of the vote, and according to that same amendment to the law, 30% of content on streaming services must be produced in Europe. The second motion that passed um, through referendum in Switzerland was the Transplantation Act, which passed with 60.2% of the vote, which stipulates that anyone who does not wish to donate their organs must state so during their lifetime, uh, or what's otherwise known as an opt-out process for organ transplantation. The relatives do, however, have the option of refusing an organ donation if they know or suspect that the person concerned would have chosen not to do so. So still some nuance, but still a move to an opt-out transplant process. And in the last of the three referenda, the Swiss electorate supported with 71.5% that the Confederation should participate financially in the expansion of Frontex and also adopt the EU regulation on Frontex Agency. And that's uh, the European Union-led border control. That's not all. Because beyond just referenda, which we know uh, the Swiss love, uh, the citizens of Grisson and Glaus, two Swiss cantons, also voted in the regional parliamentary elections on the same day. In the Grisson, the centre-right Dimitte came in first place with 34 seats, though losing 19 seats since 2018, which is quite substantial. In second place, we saw a tie between the Liberal FDP that lost 9 seats in 2008, and the coalition of the centre-left SP and Green Grüne, that rose by 9 seats. Both ended up at 27 seats each. Not far behind is the right-wing SVP, with 25 seats, that saw a rise of 16, and Liberal GLP that rose by 4 seats and received 7. So lots of movement in Grisson, we're still waiting to see the result of that in its government. Um, Glarus, the other canton, was much less wobbly. Uh, It saw the right-wing SVP coming first with 18 seats, which was plus two on the last elections. The centre-right DM came second with 14, a drop of two. Liberal FDP and centre-left SP received 11 and eight seats, which is the same as they did um, in 2018. And the Greens received eight, which is one more than the previous election. And the Liberal Green Party, GLP, fell by one seat to three, so much more stable there. Uh, But yeah, busy weekend in Switzerland, but some really interesting um, referenda, I think, actually.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting to see that there is appetite in Switzerland to align with the EU's border control uh, policies, which is very, very uh, interesting. Now, some more electoral news, including referenda, we go to Denmark, where the long shadow of the Russian invasion of Ukraine has brought sensational damage to the post-war European security architecture and has evidently led to some drastic measures across the continent. While long-time neutral states like Sweden and Finland are now pursuing NATO membership, another Nordic state, Denmark, has considered a significant paradigm shift in its own security policy. So a little bit of history, in 1992 their then EU 12 agreed upon the Maastricht Treaty that laid the foundations of the European Union as we know it today, as I'm sure many of our listeners will know well. Now apart from establishing several critical notions such as European citizenship, single currency and market, member states also agreed to launch a common security and defence policy. The Danish electorate rejected the treaty in a referendum and consequently the EU and Denmark have signed the Edinburgh Agreement that gave Denmark four opt-outs on the economic and monetary union, the common security and defense policy, the justice and home affairs sector, and the citizenship of the EU. Now in the wake of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the Danish government has decided to reconsider its opt-out on the common security and defense policy. Prime Minister Mette Friedrichsen of the centre-left Democratic stated that historic times call for historic decisions and called on Danes to lift the opt-out. The government also decided to increase defence spending to two percentage points of GDP in line with NATO membership requirements. The referendum took place on the 1st of June, with most parliamentary parties, except for the far left and far right, supporting the abolition of the opt-out. While the registered turnout was 65.77%, one of the lowest turnouts in Danish-EU referenda, around 67% of the voters decided to abolish Denmark's defence opt out. Now this is of course considered a landslide victory and it paves the way for Denmark to become a part of the EU's defence strategy. The Danish Prime Minister declared her happiness with this decision and said that Denmark sent a clear message to its allies and of course to Vladimir Putin. Friedrichsen also praised the inter-party collaboration that had advocated for the yes vote. EU leaders Ursula von der Leyen and Charles Michel also celebrated the results saying that it will benefit both Denmark and the European Union. The Danish government announced that it plans to formally ratify the decision and notify the European Union of its participation in time for it to be effected from the 1st of July.
1: So we're going to keep on talking about electoral results but moving away from direct elections. And I'm of course talking about Albania and it's a story we've been trying to tell for a few weeks now. But uh, we try to refrain to do so as it's constantly evolving and quite, again, indirect Um, In short, the Albanian parliament has been in the process of electing the country's new president. Uh, As it's an indirect election in parliament, it's a process that can take multiple rounds, beginning with a three-fifths majority required, later falling to an absolute majority if this cannot be reached. At first, the whole process kept being postponed in a possible attempt for the new president to be supported by uh, both the government coalition and the opposition. The first three rounds of voting then ended up taking place, but to everyone's surprise and bewilderment, there were no candidates in the rounds, which is crazy. Uh, since no consensus had been reached, but constitutionally there couldn't have been any more postponements, the parliament was convened to vote on zero candidates. When the time for the fourth round came, with the needed threshold falling from supermajority to that of an absolute majority, the ruling centre left Socialist Party finally had the votes to simply elect a president of their choosing, and that's what they did. With 78 votes, the chief of the general staff of the Albanian Armed Forces, Bayram Begaj, was elected president of Albania. In the end, four MPs voted against, one abstained, and 57 were absent, uh, as the forces of the major opposition party, the Centre Democratic Party, boycotted the vote. Now, as some bonus news as well from (laughs) Albania, we should mention that the Democratic Party is in the midst of some serious infighting at the moment, and a bit of a perpetual crisis, you can say, with even the leadership position being legally contested uh, as you listen to this. Uh, For now, however, the former leader of the party and former prime minister and former president, Sali Berisha, has been elected leader, though seemingly without the support of the whole of the parliamentary group. So uh, lots of parliamentary drama in Albania. And it's quite amazing that to have three rounds of voting with zero votes (laughs) on an issue. Um, Never really seen that before as a strategy.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen a a voteless vote. I'm trying to think but that sounds like something quite remarkable
1: no let's just hope it doesn't catch on
0: <laughs> much less for us to talk about <laughs> now in some very quick governmental news france has as many of you will know a new prime minister as minister of labor employment and integration elizabeth bourne of the centrist tdp or territories of progress social democratic and european movement it's worth saying that france's political movements always have the best names has been appointed to the office of prime minister by President Emmanuel Macron. Bourne is the second woman to hold the position after Edith Cresson in 1991 and 1992. This move, of course, comes following Jean Castex's resignation, and even more importantly, ahead of parliamentary elections are coming up. Macron's strategy here is possibly in an effort to present the elections as an already done deal and to try and persuade voters that the possibility of a Melancho premiership is an actual impossibility. In any way, Bourne's government composed of 14 men and 14 women has been appointed. And we will, of course, be covering the upcoming national parliamentary elections and any changes that that might bring. A very exciting election we be talking about coming up in the next few weeks. Weeks.
1: For more governmental news, we go to Estonia for the government of Prime Minister Kaja Kallas of the Liberal Estonian Reform Party has collapsed following a clash with her coalition partner, the centrist Estonian Centre Party. This comes after Kallas requested that the president of Estonia, Alan Karius, dismiss the Centre Party's seven ministers. The reason that Prime Minister Kallas has clashed with the Centre Party is its historical ties to Vladimir Putin's United Russia Party which were officially severed only at the point of the invasion of Ukraine in February. Uh, but still, given this history, Kalas means that the party is unable to put Estonia's interests above those of the country uh, and doesn't chime well with the Estonian core values. And this is why she uh, requested for the president to dismiss those ministers. Uh, this has now led to a situation where Kalas, uh needs to Create a new coalition uh, with um, what's looking likely to be the center right opposition party Pro Patria and the center left Social Democrats. However, if she fails to do this, the mandate for government formation passes to the center party and its leader, Yuri Ratas, who also has reason to hope he can court and get the support of Pro Patria. Um, so it's uh, uh, an interesting um, game going on in Estonia. And as you will know if you see the country's. Polls in, in your fiends, they have two very large um, yellow bars <laughs> that have up until now been in government. Uh, it's quite a unique situation to have two of the biggest parties both be in the Renew Europe group um, at the EU level. And uh, now they're hashing, out, hashing it out basically for, um, for who gets to uh, run the government of Estonia. So we'll keep you posted on uh, the developments in the
0: coming weeks. The headline for this should definitely be: European government drops like an stone. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here all week, folks. Here all week. Speaking of governmental changes, we should mention that at the time of recording, a vote of no confidence has just taken place in the party of the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. All 359 Conservative Party MPs were eligible to vote after sufficient MPs wrote to party elites expressing concern about Johnson's leadership following the Prime Minister being fined for hosting illegal parties in his government buildings during the COVID-19 lockdowns. A simple majority of Conservative members of the National Parliament was required to remove him from office, but that threshold was not met. The lawmakers voted in a secret ballot, with the final results seeing Boris Johnson narrowly survive, with 211 votes in favour of him, or 57% of his MPs backing him in the vote. While he is safe from a formal challenge again for 12 months, many are suggesting that with 43% of his MPs not supporting him, the days are likely numbered for him in number 10.
1: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to follow um, in the coming weeks and months how that happens. Finally, before we go to everyone's favourite part of the podcast, The Polling Highlights, we go to the intriguing world of the European Parliament, uh, something we've been doing more and more lately. There's a lot of movement and a lot of interesting news relating to individual MEPs. This time, there is one story to report on, and it's in relation to the Slovenian MEP Tanya uh, Fajon of the centre-left Socialne Demokrati or SD. Uh, she has been replaced by Marčas Nemec after joining the newly elected national parliament in Slovenia. She's been an MEP since 2009 and uh, leader of um, the SD since 2020 when she became the party's seventh leader and the first women leader. Uh, Nemec on his end has been a Slovenian MP up until this point serving as the parliament's vice president in 2017. So a sort of national parliament, European parliament switcheroo uh, for Slovenia.
0: Let's crack on now with all the polling highlights from across the continent. And we've got quite a bunch, starting with Italy, where the newly formed Alternativa appeared for the first time in a poll with 1% in an SWG poll. The party was founded by former Movimento Cinco Stella MPs after they were expelled from the party by having voted against Mario Draghi's government. Also in Italy, in the same SWG poll, the national conservative Frele d'Italia reached yet another record high, this time with 22.9%, continuing the party's slow but steady and significant rise these last few months.
1: For another record high, we go to Lithuania, where the newly formed center-left DSVL, or the Democratic Union in the name of Lithuania, reached another record high with 22% in a Balcius-Cirumai poll. The Central Life Party is a split off from the agrarian, Lithuanian farmers and Greens Union, and is led by the former prime minister of the country, Saulius Sklernelis. It was formed just in January, and it's the first time uh, it's polled in first place. So a real show of strength for the previous prime minister to be able to um, get his spin-off party into first place in a poll uh, just within um, six months from creating the party. So interesting developments in Lithuania.
0: Absolutely. Switching it up, we go now to a record low, where in Sweden, the Liberal Centre Party has fallen to 5% in an Ipsos poll. That is the party's lowest polling result since March of 2015, and if repeated in an election, would be the party's worst result since 1998. Now, this, of course, is quite significant with the next national parliamentary elections taking place in Sweden in only a few months in September. Indeed.
1: Uh, An interesting story there, uh, again, with the centre-left of sucking the life out of its coalition partners. Uh, but we'll discuss that more in coming months, I'm sure. Now, to another record high again in Turkey, where a Remres poll shows the right wing and nationalist ZP or Victory Party receiving a record high of 4.7%. The party was founded by Umit Öztur, um a former MP of the center right good party, in August 2021. Um, so, going strong. One year in, um, it'll be interesting to see how um, the party does uh, in the long term.
0: Now, keeping up with record highs, we go to the Netherlands, where the agrarian BBB reached another record high in a pile seat projection. If you recall, in one of our previous polling highlights, we were talking about the party's slow and steady rise from one seat in the 2021 elections to 10 seats in some polls. Well, now the self-proclaimed agrarian interest party reached a record high of 11 seats in a pile seat projection, followed by another record high of 13 seats in a Cantor public poll also in the same poll the left-wing socialist party fell to four percent which would be the party's lowest polling result since 2002 and if repeated in a national election would be their worst election result since 1998.
1: we're also following politics in poland worth interest where the self-proclaimed liberal party mom Dosh 2023 appeared in a poll for the first time recently achieving 2.1 percent in a pollster poll the party was launched by mariana schreiber wife of uh, the Polish minister, Łukasz Schreiber, of the National Conservative Law and Justice Party. Um, so um, binging to see if, if that has any legs uh, in Polish politics.
0: For our next polling highlight, we go to Greece, where we have had a new right-wing alliance make its first appearance in the polls. The National Creation, or ED, is a coalition of National Agreement, ESY, Recreate Greece, DX, and the ID-affiliated New Right, NDX. The party is polling below the electoral threshold, but does currently have parliamentary representation, as National Agreement's President Konstantinos Bogdanos, an MP that was expelled from the centre-right New Democracy last year, sits in Parliament. Staying with Greece, we had another change you might have noticed in our charts. A centre-left Kinal uh, is once again PASOK, or close to it. The party held an all-members vote that resulted in the change of their name and logo. For their logo, they will use the famous green sun of PASOK, and their name will be PASOK, Movement for Change, or PASOK Kinal. If you want to find out more about all of this, back in January, our podcast managing editor, Polychronus was writing about this potential rebranding and used some very exciting words uh, to talk about PASOK's name and symbols, uh, including Kinalification, depassocrification, Reverse PASokification, and even post passocrification And the only question is, is there such a thing as Post-Reverse Depasokification? But more <laughs> on that another time. <sighs>
1: oh sorry i love that so much um we're gonna finish off our polling highlights in slovenia that um you'll all remember had parliamentary elections not too long ago um this year and recently the central left kibane svoboda uh, after receiving multiple record highs and managing a record electoral performance has continued its rise post-election the new incumbent party that was previously known as Znidesh, and changed his name following Robert Golub's election as party leader, reached an all-time record high of 44.3% in a recent Nina media poll. The party got 34.5% of the vote in last month's election, so that's a significant rise just in one month, so a real sort of victory boost uh, for the party that rules in a coalition government together with center left Social Democrats and the left-wing Levicha. And uh, that's all the news and polling highlights from around the continent this time around. Um, thank you, Ewan, and thanks everyone for listening.
0: Thank you, Gabriel. See you next time. See
1: ya. Thank you for listening to the Europe Alexa podcast. To stay up to date with European politics, Make sure you subscribe and, of course, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Telegram, VKontakte, and YouTube. We're spreading out wherever we can. So do please follow us. There's no excuse not to anymore. You can find us at europalex.eu and at europalex across all social media and at europe underscore lex on Instagram.
0: See you next time. You've been listening to the Europalex podcast hosted by me, Ewan Healy, and my colleague, Gabriel Hedengren. The managing editor was Polychronis Karampalas. The script was written by our hosts and our writing team Matthew Nicholson, Jorgos Kukouris, Guillaume Ferreira de Senda, Yanis Ashakian, and Yavi Debad. The music was by Jose Alvarado, and everything we do wouldn't be possible without our patrons from Patreon. Sweet.